0: of Jesus this morning. It is good to be with you all. And I am very grateful to be holding my youngest daughter. My wife and I were blessed two weeks ago with a precious gift from God, a new life, and just the joy of holding a precious little baby. For those of you who are fathers, I want to share a Father's Day message with you and encourage you each as fathers. It's a great privilege and a great responsibility to be a father. Every child that was given to us was a joy, and yet as I held that precious child in my arms and looked into their face, I was struck with the responsibility of of caring for them. Each or every human being on this earth has a soul that will live on forever. You know our physical body will at one point die and return to the dust. But our soul will live on. And when I think about that, and as I look at the child, when I remember that God placed this child into my arms, God is allowing me to be an earthly father to this child, it should strike us as as fathers as as a great responsibility, and a serious responsibility. And... Well, I'll put her back in her mother's chair. What a what a blessing it is to have children, to care for, to teach, to train. And thank you, Matt, for what you already shared. I think you were looking at my screen and reading some of my notes. No, it was it was good. <laughs> we will Look some at the responsibility or the rule of a father and the title of the message this morning is standing in the gap or maybe a subtitle could be the rule of a godly father. And just a picture to go along with that. So the picture of a wall there with a gap, the wall that is broken And there's a verse in Ezekiel that says, this is God searching for a man. So it says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge or the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. So the context here, Israel had fallen into sin and God's anger was about to be poured out on Israel because they had forsaken his commands. And I get the picture of God looking down from heaven, looking for a man who will stand in the gap, looking for a man who will call Israel to repentance. And he found none. There's a fairly similar verse in Psalm talking about Moses being that man that was willing to stand in the gap and be the man that God had called him to be. Well, I don't want to take this verse out of context, What I want to drive home this morning as as men, as fathers, particularly, we are called to stand in the gap. We are called to be a godly father to our children. And in the ancient world, a stone wall, as shown in the picture, would often a solid stone wall. The next message I plan to get back to Nehemiah and he went back to help rebuild what was destroyed. Well. Lord willing, we'll look to that in the future. But a a solid wall was a, was a sign of a, a strong city, a city that was uh, not going to be soon destroyed by enemies. When there was a strong wall, it brought some protection. And as fathers, when we stand in the gap, to, or so to speak, we, we can be the man that God wants us to be. Some time ago, I read... A blog from Frank Reed. I think this, I would look for the, look back in the emails and could not find it. It was, I think, a few years ago that Frank stated that the problem with society today is men. But he went on to say the solution to society's problems is today, to society's problems today is godly men. There's a lot of people that might blame the president, might blame uh, leaders of the country for the way the, the country is being led. But what really comes down to is homes falling apart. And it's not always that men aren't taking their place. Sometimes it's much more than that. But when, the, when a godly home is not put in place, it affects society. So the solution is godly men. And I realize I am preaching to the choir, so to speak, this morning, and I appreciate the godly men here. There's many godly men, and I appreciate each one of you. Men that are doing their best to stand in the gap and be that man that God has called you to be. Unfortunately, there's many men that, are many fathers, that are not standing in the gap. And I want to look at some statistics of what happens when a father is absent. And I want to say this, too, before I even go into these statistics, you might be sitting here and and wish you could go back in some of your years and redo things. And I'm standing before you in a sense. I, I trembled to preach a message on being a man standing in the gap because of my own shortcomings. And God is able to. Even though we make mistakes, we fail, we've failed in the past, God is able to uh, equip us for the future and to be the men that God wants us to be. So I got these statistics from a few different places online. I don't have them all cited where I got them. But the first one. Statistics on absent fathers show that 7 million American dads were absent from the life of all their minor children. So minor children be children ages you know, under 18 or 18 and under. And I'm not, I don't remember exactly when this was taken, this statistic. Divorces are one of the leading causes of fatherless homes. And I want to say, too, there are times where Death comes where one of the either the father or the mother is taken. And I believe God is able to just pour his grace into those situations and allow a single parent or to give this strength to a single parent. But ideally, no, it is mother and father working together in the home. According to the statistics of fatherless homes, 17.4 million children lived in fatherless homes. And again, going back to the other one, divorce is the the main cause in fatherless homes. Absent fathers fuel drug addiction, antisocial behavior, and crime among youth. 75% of the long-term correctional facility inmates are from father-absent households. So when you go to prisons, they're saying 75% of those men in prisons come from a home where their father was not involved in their life. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, children from the fatherless homes are twice as likely to commit suicide than their peers from two-parent homes. So why am I sharing these statistics I'm sharing them so that we can see that truly, if men are not, if fathers are not standing in that gap, there's something missing. And fathers are called to stand in the gap. So my goal this morning is I want to encourage fathers to stand in the gap so that you can be the dad your children need. Your children need you. That they need their dad. They need their fathers. And in this congregation, we are blessed with young families. I consider myself as a, a young father yet, although we now have five children, and I I feel the weight of being a father. I want to look at three points this morning to answer the question: How can a father stand in the gap? How can we as fathers take on the rule that God has given us to stand in the gap, to strengthen that wall? And the first one I want to talk about is personal integrity. You know, it starts with me. It starts with me as a father living a life of integrity. The second point is to provide. Matt talked about this one briefly. And the third one he talked about briefly, to protect Was a springboard into the message. So they all start with P. Number one, personal integrity. Two, provide. And then three, protect. These are all ways that we can stand in the gap as fathers. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 101, a beautiful psalm that David wrote. Psalm 101. And we'll move into the first point, personal integrity. As I read this psalm, I want you to notice what David said he will do and what David said he will not do. Psalm 101. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart Will not I suffer? Mine eyes shall look upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord." Now, I don't know when David wrote this psalm, but most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with David's life. And we might read this and look and say, well, David, you failed. You did not always walk before the Lord with a perfect heart. Maybe I'll just does anyone know when he wrote this psalm, if it was before what, what my mind went to was, you know, David's sin with Bathsheba. I don't know if this was written prior to this or after And I'm not sure that it really matters, but we know David was a man after God's own heart. David longed to follow after God, to walk in holiness, to pursue holiness. And yet we all recognize we fail at times. We need the grace of God in our lives. We we failed in living a perfect life. But yet David strived, I believe, to live perfectly. And I commend him for his desire to walk in holiness, to walk before the Lord with an upright heart. And I'm just going to go through here and put up some of the things that I drew out of this passage. And some of these, I have a paper, I think it was from SNBI Ministers Week several years ago. Frank Reed went through this Psalm, And he just noted so he had a handout with some of the things that David committed to doing and some things that he would do and will not do. And I'm going to talk a few times or refer to Frank Reed because he has done a lot of counseling and wrote a lot about being godly men. And not only that, but he has a lot to share on that. So. David said, I will sing a mercy and judgment. Another thing I want to note this was personal commitments that David made. And I believe that all of us, especially us as men, especially us as fathers, we can read through Psalm 101 and say that this is what I will do. We can make it very personal for our own life. So, I will sing a mercy and judgment. Thinking about standing in the gap as men, as fathers. Do you sing a mercy and judgment? Well, we sing quite often, right, especially as a, as a congregation or, or at least that's when I do. Most of my singing of hymns, maybe you do more of it uh, throughout the week. But singing of God's mercy and judgment. I will behave wisely. David cared about how he handled himself. He wanted to have uh, to behave in a way that uh, brought honor and glory to God. I will behave in a perfect way. So these are very high goals to attain. And again, we realize David not David did not always carry these out perfectly, but this is what he was striving for, striving to behave in a perfect way. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. So he cared about how he lives his life day to day, and he cared about. Maybe you could say when he came home in the evening, he was with his family. He wanted to walk in his house with a perfect heart. What would this do? What would this look like to me if I, you know, committed to God to do this every day? When I go into the house with my family, am I committed to walking in my house with a perfect heart? I will hate evil works. There's many men that instead of focusing on being a godly father, they're pursuing what they can get out of this life, the material things or pleasure or chasing after even evil things sometimes in the society that we live in. But David said he hates evil works. He doesn't want to be part of evil men or their evil works. And I will cut off slander... Or foolish talking. He was not going to be part of foolish talking or talking or gossiping about others. He was not going to be part of it. He was going to cut it off. And I will dwell with faithful people. We become like those that we are around. And David wanted to be around faithful people and to dwell with them, to learn from them. And then we will look at the ones that he will not. He said, I will not set wicked things before my eyes. I wonder if today, more than ever before, that the, how quickly we can see evil things with our eyes, whether it's our phone, billboards, or in, on the streets. There's a lot, there's a lot of things that we, might see where we have to bounce our eyes or turn our eyes from. David said, I will not set a wicked or set wicked things before our eyes. I've already I don't remember where it was. I think it was some place of business where I was, where the man in the office had this verse right on his computer screen or at the edge of the screen there. And maybe you have that. That's commendable. Just a reminder, I will not set a wicked thing before my eyes. We need to guard our eyes. David said he will not set wicked things before his eyes. He said, I will not know a wicked person. So what does this mean? He doesn't know anyone that's living a a wicked life. I would assume that this means more having close relationships or being closely associated with wicked people. Again, I said that we become like those that we are around and David wanted to be dwelling with the faithful people, not in a, can I say, a close relationship with evildoers or wicked people. It's going to be very hard if we are living a life of sin to live a life of purity for God. If we are, if our closest friends are just always involved in living wicked or sinful lives, we need to separate ourselves from them. I will not allow high looks. David did not want to have a proud heart. He wanted to walk in humility. And another one going along with that. I will not tolerate a proud heart. So I don't know what this looked like to David, but when David was with people that were living in pride, did he call them out? I I believe he may have. He would not tolerate a proud heart. And he will not allow wickedness to cling to me. I will not have deceitful people in my house. He cared about, again, who he was around. He did not want to be having deceitful people in his house. And then I will not tolerate liars. He would, I believe. Call him out for lying so we can see some of David's goals, the commitments David made, what he would do and what he will not do. And I think we would all do well if we would make personal commitments as David did and to read through Psalm 101 and to say, this is what I want to do. I want to do as David did and make these commitments. We probably all heard the saying more is caught than taught. And another quote that I had read said, every father should remember that one day his son will follow his example instead of his advice. Now, I hope this doesn't always hold true. I doubt this always holds true, but it does us well to think about that. One day our son might follow our example rather than our advice. So I can tell my children how I want them to live. I can tell them every day this is what God wants them to do. God wants them to live a holy life. But if I live a life separate from what I teach, my children are going to see that. And there's a chance that they're going to follow after me rather than what I am teaching. So does my lifestyle line up with what I teach? A challenge to each one of us. So personal integrity, if we want to stand in the gap, I believe it starts with godly fathers living a life of integrity as David was pursuing. So the second point, how can a father stand in the gap? Another way is by providing. So The second point is provide. And... I don't know what all comes to your mind when you think of as a father and providing for your family. Maybe it's physical needs that first come to your mind. And physical needs, I believe, certainly have a part of it and a large part of it, a significant part of it. But it goes much more than that. That Some of the physical needs include, you know, finances, finances. Us men and not just men, we know what it's like to go out and work and earn money. And, you know, these days you go to the gas station, fill up with gas and <laughs> you soon see how quickly the money that you just earned is, you know, going into your vehicle to most of you to get to your jobs and providing for the family is, is, is not always easy. It's, it's hard work. It's important, though, that we do provide for our family. However, I believe we most, most of us, if not all of us, do a good job at providing finances, food, and clothing for our family. It's something that we are called to do, and I believe we do well at these things. But there's again, there's much more in providing for our families other than just the physical needs. I want to look at spiritual needs as well. So, Matt talked about, as well, being being leaders. As fathers, we are leaders. That's one of the things that we are called to do, to lead our family. We're to be spiritual leaders. But, as fathers, we are also bearing the image of our Heavenly Fathers. And... As earthly fathers, we are bearing the image of our heavenly father to our children. And this is something that does us well to remember. We are portraying to our children what God is like. Our children are getting a picture of God. Is it distorted or is it an accurate picture of who God is from us as earthly fathers? The child's relationship with their earthly father has a lasting impact on On their view of their Heavenly Father. So this shapes our children in the image that they have of us as fathers. I had, or this past week, Myerstown had their summer Bible school, and Jason Reed had the adult class, and we didn't get down to any of the services, but their on YouTube or on their on Sound's website for anyone interested in, in listening. Well, I, I believe they're on the website. I didn't actually go to check. But I had listened to some of what Jason shared. And Jason really drove home the one night the point of how important this is as earthly fathers to portray, to give our children an accurate picture of who God is. And you can go to Psalm 103 in your Bibles. I'd like to read a few verses there, maybe on the same page, or maybe turn a page from Psalm 101 over to Psalm 103. Unfortunately, sometimes we have the picture of, you know, God, our Heavenly Father, as being the man man in heaven with the big stick ready to hit us when we do wrong. But God is... We know is, is a loving God. He's a merciful God. And Psalm 103 brings that out. Another Psalm of David. I'll start at verse 8. And then I'll read through verse 15. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. What I really want to highlight is verse 8. And I want you to note, I have them highlighted up here, the Lord is merciful, he's gracious, slow to anger, and then it says, plenteous in mercy. So as fathers, as we examine our hearts, are we portraying that to our children? Are we... Merciful towards them. Do we extend mercy to them? Do we extend grace to them? Are we slow to anger? And I will admit this past two weeks, although it's been a very joyful time of having another child, it's also been trying sometimes. And this week I sat down with my children and I apologized to my children for times where I got angry I'm not always slow to anger. I'm not always plenteous in mercy. But God is. <clears throat> and am I portraying that to my children? And I know we all fail. We all need. We all need God's forgiveness. But I don't want my children to grow up with a distorted view of God. The next one I want to talk about is emotional needs. And back to that, I think it's so healthy sometimes when when we do apologize to our children and we can ask them to forgive us. for to forgive us. And I'm thankful that they were willing to forgive. And we all need that. We need to be loving, forgiving, gracious and slow to anger. So emotional needs, our children need to know that they are loved. They need to feel love from their father. They need, and, and this extent, this is really not just on fathers, but also parenting in general for some of these, for a lot of these, really. They need to know their, their mother is loved. Fathers, you need to love your wife. I need to love my wife. The children need to feel that to love, feel that love in their home. We need to take the time to listen to our children. I've already heard a father talking about when he would get home from work, when his children were still small and his children would come up and just share some about their day, some insignificant things. But he would take the time to listen to them because he knew that one day they're going to have deeper things to talk about and he knew that if he doesn't take the time to listen to their small things they're not going to want to talk to them to him about the, the deeper things that are going on in their life and this takes wisdom because as fathers we can't always listen maybe to every story at every time but that our, we do need to give a listening ear to our children doesn't mean that we can't ever say at least this is this is how I do it sometimes there's times where i say J- just wait Right now, I'm busy doing this, but we can talk later. There is time, a time for that. But do we take time to listen to them, whether it's significant or something rather that's a small thing, insignificant thing that they, are, that they want to share about? And talk to them. Sometimes in the, should I say, the grind of everyday life, of parenting, of being a father... Sometimes it's easy to just, you know, get the things done that need to be done or the pressing things. And we miss times of really talking to them. At least, at least I do sometimes. But sometimes it's good to just have time with the children. And this could be one-on-one time sometimes as well. Is healthy to do. But do we take the time to tell them that they are loved? It is very appropriate, very good to tell our children that we love them. To listen to them and to talk to them. And also to praise them when they have accomplishments, whether small, whether it's something great. Praise them. Acknowledge their accomplishments and praise them for it. I'd like to take the time to just read another post that Frank Reed had shared. This is from October of 2020. And I realized Frank has worked or has helped a lot of people, has helped a lot of young people. And he wrote in one of his blogs, he titled it Dear Dad. And I'll just read part of it. And this is what he wrote. He said, Dear Dad, where are you? For many years now, I have taught your daughters and your sons. It has, been an ama- it has been an amazing experience. I would not have missed it. I would not have missed it for anything. What I want to tell you is what you have missed. And I'm not. Say- I'm not reading this saying this is. This is what we are missing. I'm just saying this is what some fathers, or the- what Frank has dealt with, what some fathers have been missing. He said you have been so busy. And it is understandable that your time has been precious with all the things you have needed to be and do braces for teeth, shoes for little feet, food for the table, clothes and rent and business to sustain in all that took enormous amounts of energy. But in too many cases, you have missed some things that you could not afford to miss. You children have also missed some things. Your, Your children have also missed some things. All too often, they have missed you. Because you were so busy providing, your wife had to pick up the slack at home and be mom and dad to your family. She overextended herself to keep the family together and keep peace at home and keep the home fires burning while you were busy working and being a good provider. Sometimes mom had to be tough and strong because you were not there for her either. Sometimes her control conditioned your children to fall prey to more control. During this time, I have listened to the hearts of your children and their concerns in life, church issues, moral temptations, depression, loneliness, and so many other things. I have listened to the hearts that were yours to listen to. I have cried tears that were yours to cry. I have received hugs that were yours to receive. I have opened my heart to the hearts of your children. They wrote notes to me, thanking for taking time for them. Those notes were yours, not mine what they needed to when they needed to express affection i accepted their displaced affection that belonged to you when they needed to lash out i took the displaced lashing that was yours i have felt their rejection that was yours to feel the the post goes on but i'll stop there and again i am not saying that i'm not trying to come across that we are failing as fathers i'm just saying i'm again trying to get the picture of us as fathers Have a gap that we need to fill. God is looking for fathers to fill that gap. And to meet the needs of their children. So that's the second one. I'll move into. No, I I failed to put this one up earlier. Apologize to them, but I had already talked about them. There are times where as fathers we need to be able to say, I'm sorry. And to apologize So the third point, how can a father stand in the gap, and that is to protect by protecting. And again, I'm going to I'm gonna go similar how I went through with it providing, you know, physical, spiritual, emotional, but also along the lines of protecting now. So physical protection. Fathers protects his children from physical harm. And I'm not going to spend much time on this, but this comes very natural as fathers or as parents. You know, there's a lot of laws in place to protect children. Now, if you I'll go again back to a newborn baby, by law, you need to have a car seat that is approved, you know, strap this baby into and to place in the vehicle so that the baby is protected, is, is kept from harm. Uh, There's many labels on toys that you buy or warning labels on that you should not do or helmets. You know, there's laws requiring uh, certain parks or whatever. You know, if a child's on a bicycle to wear a helmet, Uh, things about physical protection. And as fathers, we do our best to protect from physical harm. Not that no harm ever comes. I mean, sometimes it's out of our control, but we do what we can to protect physically physically. Spiritual protection. So we could go on for a while about this, but I'm going to move through very quickly. So as fathers, we want to protect what our children see. And because of the lack of clothes that people wear sometimes, we need to learn to bounce our eyes, to shift our eyes on something else. And this is something I talk to my children about. There are sometimes people that are not dressed properly. And when you see that, you need to bounce your eyes. You need to move to something else. We want to protect what they hear. We filter what we allow into our homes. We don't want our children to hear any type of music. We don't want them to hear any type of language. We try to protect them from that. We protect. We care about what they say. We don't want them using any type of language that they may hear. We Want to protect them. We protect what they do. We don't allow our children just to do as they please. We put a hedge of protection about them. And then emotional protection. Godly fathers care about the struggles his children face. And really, I had. It was difficult to separate, you know, spiritual protection with emotional protection. Maybe some of these should be somewhat combined. But. Thinking about, again, being leaders and being there for our children, our children go through struggles and our children should know that even as fathers, as leaders, we have struggles as well, and they are not alone in their struggles. A godly father standing in the gap prays for his children. This is one. This is a very significant way that we can offer protection for our children. We can intercede to our heavenly father and praying for our children, whatever they might be facing. And I believe as parents, we should be praying for our children daily, interceding for their souls. And last but certainly not least, a loving father that's standing in the gap will discipline his children. And unfortunately, society is changing a lot of methods of discipline. And the Bible speaks about Not sparing the rod, but we we use the rod to and to to discipline. And it is so that the child learns to to do what's right and learns that they can't just, you know, live as they please. And that's some of why prisons are as full as they are, because they didn't have dads that were standing in the gap and using that rod. Now, it's important that we we do it very lovingly. It should not be done out of anger. Hebrews talks about the Lord or for, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every man whom he receiveth. So, the, so God, our Heavenly Father, disciplines us in some ways. He, he uses that. Uh, he, he loves us and so much us as earthly fathers should also, if we really love our children, we need to discipline them, to, to, to help teach them and to train them. So in conclusion, fathers, will you stand in the gap so that you can be the man that God needs you to be? Or will you stand in the gap so your children can be the man that, you, that they need? And I hope each one of us can maybe just make a new or each one of us as fathers, even as men, to make a commitment to stand in the gap. To be men of integrity, to be men that will provide for our family. Not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and to protect. It is a great responsibility. It's a sobering responsibility and yet also a very rewarding responsibility. And I'm not old enough to see some of the rewards that some of you older fathers can feel and have already received. But it's, it's also, it's, it's not a... Thinking about a race, yesterday was the 5K race in Ringtown, the Saturday before was the 10K, well, when I ran the 10K race, I couldn't pace myself quite as fast as I could the 5K race, or I would have ran out of steam. And as parenting, as being a father, it's it's not a sprint, but it's a marathon, even though some of you older fathers would say it goes by probably at the snap of the finger, basically. I mean, your children soon grow up, and I'm experiencing some of that already. It goes by fast in a sense, and yet, this is a long, we're in it for the long haul. It's not just a short responsibility. It's a lasting responsibility. It's like a marathon. It takes hard work. It takes discipline as fathers. So may God give you wisdom as you raise your children in this day that we're living in, a very evil world, and yet God will give us the grace that we need. I really believe He will. But we need, we need to rely on our Heavenly Father. We need to come before Him and intercede for our children. So again, will you as fathers stand in the gap? Will you be a man of integrity? Will you provide and will you protect May you be challenged by that as you go throughout this week, being the man that God has called you to be. Thank you for your attention. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. I thank you for the instruction that is in your word that teaches us how to be godly men, godly fathers. And Lord, we recognize that we fail at times and we need your forgiveness. We need you to cleanse our hearts and we need your strength for each day. But I pray that each one of us as men would rise up to the calling that you have called us to stand in, the gap that you called us to stand in and take on the role that you have called us to be. Help us to be salt and light in our families and to fill in that gap. I just pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.